Luke 12 is where we're going this morning, as you might have realized. And Father, we pray that uh, this word uh, will be encouraging to us. We pray that we would have ears to hear your voice. And so we just ask your Holy Spirit to breathe into our spirits uh, your understanding, your presence, your heart. In Jesus' name. So we came to this, Jesus was, uh, we talked about this last week, Jesus was speaking to a bunch of people. There were, um, it says, thousands of people gathering around him as he was uh, going to teach because pretty much every time that he was together uh, with people, he also responded to their needs. It's a novel idea that Christianity isn't just theory. It actually encounters us. And uh, very, very often I hear people saying, I'm not quite comfortable. And, and it's often the case, I'm not comfortable. I would expect not to be comfortable sometimes in the presence of Jesus. I'd expect sometimes to be a little awkward. But because we can't be in the presence of Jesus physically in this uh, place right now, we become uncomfortable in the presence together. And so I just want to encourage you. You see, the uncomfortable side that rises up in us is always from the body. It's from the flesh. It is always a battle. There's a two, there are two things that we're always working with, and that is working, living from the outside, letting our circumstances, our conditions, our feelings determine our lives, or living from the inside out where we are aware of a greater truth. And you know that in many instances. You might go into... Um, one example that comes to mind for me is uh, when I went to New York years ago and uh, saw Wall Street, and you go up into Wall Street at that time anyway, it was the late 70s, I think, and there's chaos on the floor. You look out over the floor and there's chaos, and this is the center of finance. And if, if I was in charge, I would go, this is panic, this is all out of control. And then they have descriptions up above the, the viewing room of what's happening. And when you actually see what's happening, you realize there's this insane sort of logic in the chaos. And as you actually taught, you begin to go, this is all actually under control. It doesn't look like it. And living from the inside is like that. Unless we allow God to invest in the inside of us, we will always live from the outside in or be slaves in Egypt as I talk about it. And so, you know, we, we were praying before the service this morning and, and I got this picture of, um, you know, because we were thinking about Brad's sister and we were thinking about Judy, you know, falling and, and you go, there's always something. There's always somebody who's dying of cancer is in need. And you go, God, if you care, why don't you heal? And he says, I do care. I sent my son and I said to you in this world, there's going to be trouble. I never promised you a rose garden. I promised you that I will not leave you as orphans and I will be with you in the midst of. And the people who honor me are the ones who have learned how to live in the midst of suffering and their response is different. They still bury the loved ones. They still have accidents. They still have things happen they wished hadn't happened and I wished hadn't happened, but you live in a broken world. And by the way, a lot of the rebellion in you is what causes a lot of the brokenness. So not look at me. This is part of your freedom you're working out. But I have overcome the world, and I will give you strength to know my power and my presence in the midst of all of that. 
And so I said, you know, I had the picture, and the picture was this. It was like we are all students, and we've just come out of school, and we say we all want to be doctors because we want to make a difference in the world, and we see all the suffering, and we want to help with medical knowledge. And so we go off to train. Because if somebody comes up now and that they're, they're, they're very sick, and I'm a student and say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to being a doctor, but I can't help you right now. You go off to school, and you spend a lot of money. You spend six years, or at least, learning how to do medical stuff so that you can actually have a response that's educated, right? Many Christians are still at the student place. And whenever suffering and whenever anything negative comes up, they wring their hands, or they hold hands with the person suffering, but they have no power and they have no faith that stands up to that test. They're like a student who said they're going to medical school, but they've never bothered to go to medical school. In other words, we are as a, as a church, I'm just letting you know what Jericho Road is about, is about going to medical school, investing in stuff so that we can become equipped to actually have an answer and minister in power when stuff goes wrong. We are not interested in maintaining a status quo of people who are useless for the rest of their lives because they won't invest. Do you agree with me? Some of you do. I'm trying, to give you, I'm trying to give you a big picture of what we're doing. And I'm trying to say to you that just as it, it was a face, Facebook is, gives away everybody's secrets. My daughter wrote on Facebook last night, I think, oh, this next year of you know, final teaching is, is they're out to kill me or something, you know, poor thing. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, there are times where it's tough. And all I'm saying is, and I want, this is actually perverse encouragement, following Jesus and growing into the place where I can lay hands on the sick and see somebody healed is going to cause me and demand of me that I go out of my comfort zones. That's all. It's going to demand of me that I allow God to come inside me and bring out the things that are getting in the way. How many of you realize that knowing stuff in your head doesn't actually change your life? We'd all do, right? So it's about entering in with the whole of me. I wasn't preparing to say any of that, so that's just a little bonus. It's after 11. But actually, it's, it's sort of all linked up because you know, we can just wrap this all up in the same package. It's fine. I'm talking about living from the inside out. I'm talking about being rich toward God, and that is what rich toward God is. So... Back to our theme, Jesus has got all these thousands of people and they were coming to him because he had something to offer that the Pharisees and the spiritual leaders didn't have. The people would never have come to an ordinary rabbi or Pharisee because all they heard was, this is what you have to do, this is what you have to do, this is what you have to do. There was no life to it. So they came to Jesus and Jesus was teaching and Jesus wasn't politically correct as we talked about last week he didn't just say I want to keep you all happy so Jesus you know I'm here to tell you God loves you he did say that and he manifested that but he also said there's some issues like values that are important for you to pay attention to and he he gave this whole teaching called warning and encouragements and I'm not going to go through that now uh, but imagine you had the opportunity right now to stand up and ask Jesus a question. What would it be? Probably many things that would be valid, legitimate, fair enough, he would love to answer it. But there was a guy in the crowd where Jesus was, and he said, Teacher, 
And he probably, wherever he is right now, is saying, I wish they hadn't written that down, and I wish I had another chance, but I didn't realize it was God. You never know where God is in your life, around you. You might say something to somebody, you might ask a question to somebody, and it's as if Jesus were right there, but you don't recognize him. You've got to ask questions. You've got to take opportunities. And this guy... <laughs> His question was, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. His whole priority had been drawn inside himself. And Jesus responded and said, who, who made, gave me the task of being a judge between you? Now, if he had asked me that question, I probably would have given him a lot of advice. But Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't actually go... Oh, well, let me tell you, he told them a story. He told them this very familiar story of the rich young ruler, the, 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 the rich young man, the rich man. Of this man who, who had all this stuff, all this, all this uh, produce, and uh, he had a rich harvest. And he was so into himself and so into his world. He says, I've got all this produce. Some people would say, God's blessed me, so let me build some more stores so that I can keep my produce because it's so that I can... Dance, drink, have fun, be happy, be merry with all my stuff. And so they built storage units, you know, like it's interesting in our culture, we have storage units to keep our stuff because we don't have big enough houses for it. Um, and Jesus called him a fool. He says, he built these big barns. And then he says, and just as you finished locking them up, the angel of death, if you like, comes up and says, Nice stores. You're dead tonight. Come with me. But no, that doesn't come. What happens now, buddy, um, is we're going to evaluate what you've stored up inside. And when I look inside, I hear my voice echoing. It's empty. So Jesus told that story and called him a fool. And said, uh, it's better at that moment if you're rich toward God. And he's illustrating a whole perspective on life. Because there are two ways of living. And this is definitely the kind of thinking we have to do within the Christian church. There are many, many Christians who store up for themselves treasures on earth. Huge amounts. It's a lifestyle issue and it's a value issue. It's an issue of how you see life um, because you're either at the center of life or you're part of something bigger life is either a gift or it's your entitled territory and how you answer that question becomes how you approach everything so the rich man didn't see beyond himself and his abundance it was fun yet so I was thinking of another example, which I do think is fun. You know, because when you deal with addictions, and you deal with people recovering from addictions, those of us who are not addicted are saying, where can I get the drug test? We're going to have random drug tests to make sure they're not cheating, because you know what addicts are like. Right? And I'm pretty, pretty, you know, easygoing on getting this drug test for people who are struggling with drugs. Because, you know, you've got to make a choice. You've got to push this through. So 
in order to try and be fair and have a level playing field, I wondered what it would be like if God released a spiritual fruit drug test. Random test for everybody in the congregation on greed, on lust, on anger. Uh, We're just going to have a random test. See how you like it. You might get an insight into addiction, actually. Because you'll be pretty vulnerable. Anybody would like to submit to one of those tests? Well, if you know grace really well, you'll actually be okay with it because you can just say, Jesus, I'm learning how to own my stuff. So I'm not hiding it. So where I have anger, I give it to you. And he cleanses it like you haven't had it. And that's what God's talking about when he's saying, I I look at your inside and I see where you are. And all I want to do is actually continue to help you heal just as much as you want addicts to heal from drugs. I want to heal you from things that you place your trust in or that rise up in you that do, do, do not reflect, does not reflect that you trust me. So if you live from the inside out, what's the church called in the Bible? It's called the bride of Christ. Who's the husband? Jesus. And he's got a father who's very rich. You've got kids? You talk to your kids and say, you better marry into money so I don't have to keep you. (laughs) When you become a Christian, you marry into money. Do you realize that? When you become a Christian, when you hang out with Jesus, you marry into incredible wealth. But it's not accessed like Egypt. You see, you can live with enormous peace. The royal family don't even carry wallets. They just sign the bill and somebody else pays it. The royal family pays it. So there are two ways to live. The one way is it all depends on me. And the other way is it all depends on him. And if you take the test, there's no lying. But the test that God gives us is merely to say, we've got some work to do. And if you take the test regularly and you can self-administer it, it's, it's the easiest way to have humility. You just know that you're not complete yet. You're a work in progress. If you don't take the test very regularly, you'll be very defensive. You'll be very self-centered. And you'll be very unwilling to let the inside out. It's very stressful living in Egypt. It's very stressful living as if nobody else is responsible for you except yourself. It's very stressful being rich in the wrong way. There's nothing wrong with having material possessions as long as they don't have you. The easiest way, as we heard from Lefty up there, was here's $50, it's a gift. And God says, well, just pass it on. It was mine. No, it's just pass on, please. That's how God will test us. I thought you said I was Lord. I thought you just sung a song about Lord. So release what I've just given you. But you don't under, I do understand you're selfish and insecure. Well, that's insulting. I thought you loved, I do love you and I'll smack you in a minute. Now just do it. Lord, I've got this ulcer. I know you've got that ulcer. Why? Because you're selfish and you've, you're holding everything inside. Well, heal me of it. Well, then let go of what you're holding on to. Jesus said the truth will set you free and I am the truth. He didn't say wisdom would set you free. He didn't say good advice. He didn't say knowing stuff will set you free. He said letting it work in you will set you free. That's what rich toward God is. So look at Mary. 
She's going along with her, her life, about to be engaged, about to get married. Everybody's really happy. And an angel appears and says, Hi, Mary, can I come and live in you? Can God send his son into you? He didn't even explain it really well. And she eventually says, Yes. She gave up her plan to step into another plan that was both a privilege and an enormous cost. And she became rich toward God while going through all the frightenedness of a girl giving birth and being insecure and having to flee to Egypt, having to come back, having to go to Nazareth, having to build a family, and then having to watch your son die. And he was a good man. That's rich toward God. If you still think that living the Christian life is about keeping your lawn manicured, being blessed, and being secure, it's not Jesus Christian it's devil Christian. It's called religion. And you won't actually be alive. You'll just be one of those people who quote scripture and have lousy attitudes. Always angry. Always defensive. Always telling the world they need to come to Jesus. But nobody would want to come to Jesus if this is what he does to you. Rich toward God is always flavored with love and generosity and kindness. But you can't give away which you haven't received. If you try and give away Jesus' love without having received it, your, your love will break at the same place as anybody without Jesus breaks. Your forgiveness will break at the same place everybody else without Jesus breaks. Your character will break because you need the power of God's Spirit and His love inside you to release it out of you. And then people say, Oh, you're rich. You know, Simon came in, my friend from England, and I'm not saying this at all, but it's an illustration that just comes to mind. Simon came here, and he's, he's worked in the upper echelons of international business for the last 25 years. And he's come here partly to be encouraged, partly just to have some time out. And his words to me, because... You know, he talks about having dinner in London with somebody and he's going to South Africa to see somebody. And I, and I say, you know, sometimes your life seems so much more spectacular than mine. And his response was just, uh, when I came to Vancouver, it was one of the most meaningful things. He said, I'd like to hang out with Fred because you guys are rich in the stuff that I've lost touch with. And so he's beginning to allow God to deposit more into him. Richness is beautiful before God. So I took the letters rich, R-I-C-H, and thought, you know, in Egypt, what is rich about? I can't remember. What is rich about? It's about, in Egypt, and I, I won't go long on this, in, in Egypt, rich is about what? The song, money makes the world go round. The more you have, the happier you'll be. It's a cliche, isn't it? But we still pursue it. In the kingdom of heaven, riches starts with revelation. It's a revelation of my condition without God. It's a revelation of His love toward me. And it's a revelation of Him saying to me, You have just joined my bride. I care about my bride. My bride is precious to me. You are precious to me. And I will not leave you or abandon you. And I will provide for you. So you can 
live your life with God as a, a desperate widow, making sure, you know, misquoting scriptures, or you can live your life with God as a bride who says, thank you that you provide what I need, not what I want. Thank you that you will never leave me. And you might need to hear that this morning. How are you living? There was the older brother who, who's, who, who worked day and night and was very bitter and twisted. There was the prodigal son who had a banquet. And the older brother said, I never get that. And the father said to the older brother, he said, you could have had it any time. But you didn't. All I have is yours. What would it be like for you to live out of that place of relationship with the father? where you are confident that your life is placed with him and in him and he will meet your every need. So he says, stop worrying. Trust me. But you have to invest in the relationship in order to grow in trust. So when Lefty speaks about hearing the word California and waiting a year for that to be fulfilled, that's what it means. It's not always on your terms. It's just trusting in the relationship of God who will provide if you give him time because he's also working with other things. So rich is about how you find your resources, the R. The I, what do you think the I is? In Egypt, it's about investment. You are what you own. So you're always working for retirement. Then you have the heart attack. You're always working for something in the future because you can't have it now. You're preparing for it because it all relies on you. Independence. The I in the promised land is identity. The I of rich in the promised land is I am related to the one who has all resources. So Lord, what is your will for me? Because I trust you to look after me. He says, maybe I don't want you to work full time because I want you to serve me in some way. I say, yeah, sure. There's freedom. I don't have to wait until 10 years' time to live life. I live life now. I don't see any prospect of retirement, but it doesn't bother me. Retirement comes after death. What's the sea in Egypt? Cash. There's something else which I can't remember either. It's the power of money. Because if I give money power, then it enables me to do things that I want to do. So that's why I call it cash, the love of money. It'll enable me to do things because I need a holiday so that I can be refreshed. And Jesus says, I could refresh you now. I'll give you holidays, but for different reasons. You don't have to escape from life. You can just have a change. So while money and power enables you to go on your holidays, and there's nothing wrong with doing that, don't misunderstand me. Listen to the spirit of it. The, the, the sea in the promised land of rich character I will build character in you that will enable you to trust me and will enable you to live in a way that's maturing you know how to love you know peace you know life you know joy and finally there's the ancient in the Egypt you know what that is it goes back to the story Jesus told it's hoarding I keep for my I make sure I've got what for I give out of my surplus if I don't have a surplus I don't give this is all I have. Or I say, so, so, so Egypt is all about taking care of yourself first. 
You remember the story Jesus gave of the widow's might? I mean, he went into the temple and he sat and watched people giving. And he watched these rich people put money into the, into the jar. And then this little woman, and you know, she must be in heaven going, I never thought that would be me. And having people for the rest of life on earth talking about her where the spotlight shines on her and she is so unaware of it and she puts in two cents and Jesus smiles and says, that is rich. She gave all she had to release the kingdom of heaven on her. So the H in the promised land is I'm rich in order to help others. As God helped me, I help others. So what does it mean? I understand my richness as it starts with a response to the love of God and the fact that all life is held in His hand and it ends with how can I serve in this world that you've placed me out of the abundance that you have given me. I was on a mission trip when I was studying in England. We went to the north of England and we were going around to have supper with people. We came around to the place um, and we, we sat down at the meal and, and the woman said, we'll say grace. And she said, I'm really meaning this grace because, you know, I, I volunteered out of our church to have you for supper, but I didn't have anything to give you. And I said, Lord, I don't have any money. I don't know. And I, I mean, it's, it's just so humbling. And then she said, the butcher, who I know, actually popped around last, last night and said, I have this over. Would you like it? See, that's how God works. He doesn't give you lots of warning. He just says, trust me. And as you trust me, you'll build faith. And then you'll begin to be easy with faith. And you'll just know that, you know, I, de I deliver fresh and on time. <laughs> I don't need storage units. I just deliver on time. I don't give you advanced plans. Often many of us are saying, Lord, I want to know this. And he says, I'm not telling you. I just want you to stay close to me and I'll, I'll lead you. It's called trust. Peace be with you. I've got, I've got care of your life. Just take one day at a time. And you'll be rich, 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 rich. So I start saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time? In Egypt, I say, well, I need to do all of this and then I'll have some time over for you, Lord. And that never comes. So I start from a different place. Lord, what do you want me to do? And then I'll trust you to fulfill my needs. I might not get rich materially, but I'd probably be richer than a lot of people who are trying to get rich materially. And Jesus said, he's come into this world that people would be rich toward God. Because God is rich toward them. And all he does is he keeps saying, he has the money to buy me a present. He has the money to do this, he has the money to do that. So, do you need a revelation of God's kindness to you this morning? Do you need a revelation of his love for you that enables you to respond like Mary did? Because he's not asking you to do this from your side. He's saying, I just want you to receive my richness so that you would be able to reflect it back. So I'm actually not asking you to do anything out of your resources. I'm asking you to release my resources. So I guess the way you can release my resources is to receive my resources. So maybe you need a revelation of his love for you this morning. Maybe you need a revelation of the power of Jesus in your life that you could live trusting his faithfulness for you. Maybe you don't know that and you want to know that. And all you need to do is say, oh God, I give you permission to build that relationship. Then like that student who's going to medical school, start investing 
in that. Maybe you need an identity. Maybe you're in an identity crisis. And God says, you are my son, you're my daughter, whom I very deeply love. And I do have you in my hand. And maybe you just need to hear that and receive that. And he says, stop being afraid of me. You think I'm an abusive father. The way you come to me, you think I'd abuse you. You trust me with almost nothing. He says, I'm here today to say, trust me. I am kinder and nicer and more faithful than you've ever, ever known. And you're going to have to learn. You know how you deal with an abused kid? An abused kid starts off frightened. They have to be held for a long time and reaffirmed and eventually they melt. Some of us here are like that. You keep thinking God's going to... So you'll go away from here inspired, but tomorrow it'll be the same. You have to sustain it. And he'll heal you from the inside out with his love. Repeated, repeated, repeated. That's why we do stuff during the week to encourage each other. Some of you this morning, God's speaking to you about character issues. And he's saying, this is why this is happening. I want you to pay attention. So Judy falls and breaks her arm. That's not God's fault. He's not desiring that. What could he teach Judy? That he will be faithful and he will look after her situation. She's been carrying it for so long. He could redeem that broken arm. So I'm just going to show you how I'm going to help you. Because I love you. And there might be character things that you're aware of right now. And God's saying, I'm not taking it away. I'm going to transform it as you bring it to me. I want to teach you how to rest in me and rely on me. And for some of you, it's just a clear word about your attitude to stuff. Do you hoard or do you help? It could be your time. It could be your talents. It could be your money. Do you hoard or do you help? Let's stand because we're going to pray for those four things. There's no accusation here at all. It's an invitation from the King of Kings to step deeper into His love and His presence. Relationship, rich in relationship, that I am His beloved. Strong in identity, I am His son and His daughter, or His daughter. Deeply loved, whom He is going to work with and through. No matter where we've been, no matter where we are. He still speaks over every single person here and says, you are my son, you are my daughter whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. I'm not necessarily pleased about some of your situations or your behaviors, but I am pleased with who I made you to be, and that is the person whom I'm wanting to release. The person that you're struggling with is the one that I went to the cross for. So if you want to carry on struggling with that person, don't talk to me, because I'm not talking to him. I've already died for him. So I'm not asking you to come with your sin. I'm asking you to receive my life that you might step into what you've never had yet. You are my son. You're my daughter. I put on you a robe. I put on your feet sandals. I put on a finger. Your hand rings. I invite you into the banquet. Now you've got to come. That's your part. I don't feel comfortable. (laughs) That's all right. You'll grow into it. It's very cool. Father, I pray that you release... Uh, a revelation of your love right now for those who need a revelation. A revelation of your goodness and your kindness for them. They don't have to do anything other than open their arms to you and say, here I am, Lord. I pray that you open up the hearts of individuals who are struggling with identity and they would just hear your voice speaking over them, son, daughter, whom I love. Once and for all, settle it, consummate it, if you will. 
So he doesn't have to come back again. Just live out of that place where he says, I have done it. I have birthed in you an identity as completely as I impregnated Mary and she came to give birth to my son. And the words of that song, I will hold you, but one day you will hold me. He's wanting to hold you now. I pray that you reveal words of encouragement about character, where there are things that we're struggling with or things that we're resisting you. I pray, Father, that your spirit will release in us a willingness to say yes to those areas of our lives where character is being built up. He loves you. If you have a coach and he's training you in sport, you go, oh, I'm tired. And he says, you've got to carry on for another two minutes. This is the part that makes a difference. That's what God does with us sometimes in the spirit. So, Father, will you release character issues in us that we would be able to take hold of boldness and goodness and kindness, generosity, and anything else you want to to work out. Bless that that you're doing. And then finally, we bring to you our whole attitude to the stuff we have. And I speak over us uh, wherever Satan causes us to feel insecure or to hold on to things out of our own fear of not having enough. I just rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And we release a spirit of generosity where our whole response to our life is, Lord, how can you use me as a blessing even while I'm still being made whole? Because that song also said, I'm just a girl and I'm willing. And so, Father, I pray that you release among us willingness to allow you to work through us in our incompleteness. In fact, our incompleteness is going to make the gift that much more beautiful. So, Holy Spirit, will you breathe into us that life right now to activate all these areas, that we might be a people who are rich toward you. Rich toward you. And if you dare... Put the cherry on the top and say, Lord, let me just know passion for you like I've never known it. Passion. That I would be amazed what comes out of me because I don't do that kind of stuff. But you do when the King of Kings lives in you. So, Father, I pray the release of passion to a new heights in this place. Abandon joy in you and your faithfulness. Because kids play in playgrounds where they feel secure and watched over. You put your hand on the person next to you, and if they're not next to you, shuffle over and just ask God to bless what he's doing. You don't have to pray for them. Just pray blessing in the name of Jesus. Blessing in the name of Jesus. Just more Jesus. Blessing, blessing, blessing. Thank you for what you're releasing in my brothers and sisters. Fill them up with your spirit. Fill them up with your encouragement. Fill them up with your truth, Jesus. Thank you so much.